0: Hi, welcome to my channel. My name is Lisa Allistway, and on this channel, you will find a variety of inspirational and informational videos. Today, my guest is Tracy Hulick, who is the founder of Kidney Donor Athletes. I will be linking her website organization down in the description box for your reference. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Happy to have you. Can you share with us a little bit about your background and uh, just your story on um, why
1: you donated a kidney? Yes, of course. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest and I actually heard about kidney donation the first time on the very first day of seventh grade. It was one of those icebreakers in social studies class and the teacher had asked everybody, you know, what's something interesting that happened to you or your family over the summer? And a classmate raised her hand and she said that her uncle had donated his kidney to her cousin and they were both doing fine. Now I'm a 12 year old, first day of school. And there was something about that statement. It was like a lightning bolt. Like I just knew, I thought, you know, that's amazing. That's something I want to do someday. And in that same moment that I had that kind of reaction, the classroom erupted in this conversation of that's crazy. That's so risky. What if he needs his kidney back someday? Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I was self-aware for about two moments as a 12 year old. And I thought, you know, there's some reason why this lands with me so much and it doesn't with anybody else. That must mean I really should do it. And so that's something I just tucked away in the back of my head. And that same day I had my very first cross country practice first time running on trail. And I fell in love with that. So that day really had a huge influence on the rest of my life because I've been a distance runner ever since. Um, Ran in high school, ran on my own in college, I've done marathons and ultra marathons and all sorts of stuff like that. And every few years I would check back in with myself because I would maybe see a news article or a story and think, is now the time for me to donate? And it just never seemed like the time until 2018. I was actually running the Athens Marathon in Greece and I had run a bunch of races that year. And I don't know if I've ever felt so tired as I did that day. I just thought, you know, I'm just ready for a break. And what better reason to take a break is to donate an organ. And then you take a few months off and relax and recover. And so when I got home from that trip in November of 16, I reached out to my local transplant center, which at that time I was living in Madison. So there's a world-class transplant center in Madison right next to the college campus. So I reached out to them and started the process and Uh, A few months later, in May of the following year, I donated my kidney to a stranger, and she's doing really well. I met her uh, about eight months after the fact to bring the whole experience full circle. And, you know, looking back, I just feel like everything worked out the way it should. Hearing about it when I did, having that experience with running, knowing I was getting really healthy and thriving with my life and my running, and that I would be one day gifting health to another person because of those choices. And I think it went to the exact right person, the right time. Just so many things fell into place with the whole thing that, I mean, I look back, I wouldn't change anything about it.
0: I mean, that is amazing that that seed was planted at such a young age and had such a profound effect on you that, you know, fast forward into adulthood and it just came back up and you just knew that you needed to do it. And what year was that again that you donated? Uh, 2017. So it's been four and a half years now. 2017. And you didn't
1: know the person. Did you know that the conditions or reasons why they needed a kidney? Mm-mm. I didn't want to know anything. Um, I'm kind of amazed looking back that that whole time I wanted to donate. I never knew anybody that needed one because I thought, well, maybe someone will just need one someday, but that never happened. And the more I started to look at the details of donation, really think about what that was going to be like. I didn't want to choose I mean, even if I knew someone that needed one, there was just something in me that I didn't think it was my job to choose where it went. And so to just be focused on getting myself as healthy as possible and just trust that through grace or whatever you say, that the kidney was going to go wherever it was supposed to go. Um, I just trusted that. And also another nice thing to bring up is that I did a kidney donor chain. So I donated one kidney and actually four people received kidneys on that same day because of my one, because of how I chose to do that. So for, oh, I guess I should ask, have you heard of a donor chain before? No. Can you explain to the viewers yeah. and myself what that is? Yes. Um, so let's say you have a sister and she needs a kidney and you say, okay, I'm going to get tested. I want to donate to you. I want to do this. And you go through all the testing to get approved to donate, but you are not a match for her. And so then you, as the approved donor, can say, OK, as long as she gets a kidney from somewhere, I will donate my kidney to whoever needs it just so she can get one. Mm-hmm. So then you are basically uploaded as a pair to a registry of sorts. And every day these pairs are uploaded. And so these pairs are in this registry just waiting for someone like me to donate a kidney just because I want to. And I don't mm-hmm. want to choose a; I just want to throw it in the mix so someone can get it. So my kidney was then put in this registry. It was matched with a woman who lived in Colorado. And then her husband was willing to donate on her behalf. So then his kidney gets matched to another person. And then that partner's kidney gets matched to another person. So my kidney flew to Denver. Um, That morning, her husband went under, did surgery. His kidney flew to Oakland. That day, that man's daughter donated on his behalf and her kidney flew somewhere else. And then there was one more stop in the chain. Oh, my gosh. It's like a fire you lit and it just kept, you know, burning in the most positive way. You've given me chills just listening to that story. I know. I keep getting goosebumps just retelling the story because thinking about the magnitude of that and all those lives changed in one day. And not just the recipients and not just the donors, but their friends and their family and their mailman who knows the story and has seen the person be sick and now they're better and you know just all these different ripples that happen from these kinds of things and I love that I don't know all the details of everything of that day because I don't need to, but just knowing that it happened and that there's four people out there walking around whose lives are saved and improved yeah. is and I'm not even a doctor, you know, yeah. I'm not even interested in medicine, but to be able to save lives like that is pretty incredible. It, it is incredible. And, and, you know,
0: being a living donor, you can actually see, you know, who benefits, you know, if you pass away before and your organs are harvested, you don't know the impact, but I mean, you have tangible impact of the lives that have all been touched by this in, in a yeah. very positive outcome. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So you said that you were able to make contact with the kidney receiver of, um, like eight months later, is that because
1: they chose to reach out to you? Um, well, actually she had written a letter to me, a handwritten with a pencil on Um, legal paper, you know, like the three hole punch. It was so cute. She had sent that to my transplant center before the surgery even happened because she was so excited. She actually found out that she was going to get my kidney the night before her birthday. I think it was the night before her 54th birthday. So she was just thrilled. So she sent a letter in advance of the donation even happening. So I received that letter on my three week check-in appointment when I went back. And so it was, it was surreal to get her letter. She put her email address in there, which technically you're not supposed to do. There's a lot of restrictions on how to correspond um, between the donor and the recipient when you don't know each other, but they um, let her keep that in there. And in big capital letters down at the bottom, she wrote, thank you for saving my life with all these exclamation points. And I still have a letter. It's just amazing. So I received that and I, it took me a couple of days to respond just because I didn't, I didn't know what to say. Like I didn't need a thank you. I didn't feel a need to meet her. I didn't feel a need to form a relationship because of mm-hmm. it. I didn't do it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just sent her like a very pleasant email with a couple of pictures. She asked for that. And so every now and then she would reach back out and say, Hey, I know you like coming to Denver. Let me know when you come, I'd love to meet you. And and I honestly wasn't super comfortable with that because I didn't know how to receive that kind of gratitude oh. in person. I wasn't looking for that, but she asked enough times and I had a trip planned to go to Denver to visit a friend and I thought, well, let's just do it. I mean, it'll be fun. I'll get to you know meet her and see where my kidney's now living and it's now hers. So we actually planned a kidney reunion at the hospital that my kidney flew to. that got transplanted into her. And so that was January of 18. And it was, it was so surreal. So she was there with her husband, and then I think five other friends and family members, and they kept her separate in a separate conference room. And I was kept in this separate room over here. And then there was a larger conference room that we were all going to be in. Plus, there were about 25 people from the hospital that just wanted to see it. I I guess maybe this doesn't happen very often. So Mm. all these hospital staff were in there and a bunch of food was catered in and there was a TV station there and a newspaper there and the hospital media person was there with their camera. And so then everybody was in the room and I go in and it's just me. I didn't even bring any friends or anything. I was just, you know, going to like stop and meet everyone. Mm-hmm. Feel. But it was. I can't even come up with a word, but just to see her and the emotion on her face and the emotion on her husband's face. And then all these people from the hospital, dead silent, just staring at us and listening, you know, Mm. for about 45 minutes. I actually had to turn my chair to just face her because I was so distracted because I didn't expect there to be so many people. Yeah. But I mean, just what... It's kind of just an amazing part of human nature that people were there and they wanted to stop what they were doing to just witness this kind of interaction that doesn't Mm -hmm. happen very often. So I felt really fortunate that it played out the way that it did. And I mean, a lot of people were touched that day. And I mean, I guess that's the best outcome you can have.
0: Most definitely, because I would assume she was close to death's door if it hadn't had happened.
1: Yeah, she wasn't on dialysis yet, but she had just been told that she needed to plan to go on dialysis soon. Mm -hmm. So she probably would have gone on dialysis within about two weeks of finding out that she was getting my kidney.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank God for dialysis. At least it's still, you know, a treatment option for a lot of people that are, you know, on that kidney failure. Yes. And, um, you know, people can be on that for many, many years. And so Mm -hmm. waiting for a kidney, but, you know, there is that option in the meantime, um, So can you tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, like, how are you feeling post, you know, living with one kidney and and post donation?
1: Yeah, I feel great. Um, I feel better than I did before. And part of that is that I take better care of myself now because I have so much respect for my body and what it could do. And honestly, yes. before a donation, I think it was really common for me to You have negative self-talk, be critical, think I should be faster, think I should be better, think I should be leaner, think I should be stronger. You know, a lot of that self-talk that we as women can fall Mm -hmm. into when we're not conscious of it and choosing differently. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not perfect at that yet, nor do I strive to be, but just my relationship with my body is better. I respect it so much more for what it can do and what it did. So I hydrate better. um, I eat better than I did. I'm a more well-rounded athlete than I ever used to be. So that is fantastic. And, and feeling better just for the psychological benefit of knowing what I did. Mm -hmm. And that's something And like, even on my hardest of days that I think back to that and I think, okay, like big picture in this life, I'm doing okay. I've done good things. I'm not going to get caught in the micro of this stressful work day or Mm -hmm. interpersonal thing, whatever it is. So to have I mean, those two pieces of respecting my body and feeling like I'm a partner with my body, not working against it. And then the psychological benefit of always knowing, like, I did something right. And no one can ever take that away from me, no matter what happens with my recipient or other people in my kidney chain, Mm -hmm. um, that I can always be proud of that and feel good about it. Most
0: definitely. And I mean, you are a role model of, you know, selflessness in doing that, because like you said, you weren't doing it for a thanks or for anything, but Mm -hmm. I mean- I think I think it's quite inspiring and amazing, you know, that you that you did that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were a runner, an ultra runner, like running is big in your life. And um so you started this kidney donor athlete organization. Can you tell us a little bit how you came up with that idea and in, in merging your your two most you know, profound things, you know, kidney donation and, and running?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had, I didn't have a lot of questions before a donation, but I had a lot of questions about things specific to recovery and specific about getting back to distance running after I was healed from donating. And I was really shocked that no one could give me any concrete answers. And I know everybody's body is different, but i I just, I kept asking different people and doing different web-based searches. And I'm thinking, well, can't people just give me a reference point or show me a handful of people that donated and now they run half marathons or they do triathlons or something? Um, I couldn't find anything. I was able to find one TED Talk of a woman who did run the Boston Marathon one time after donating and I found one guy on one mentor registry that said he had run one marathon post-donation, but he never responded to me. So mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I just gotta go on faith that I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be able to run because I truly felt like I wouldn't feel so strongly compelled to do that if it was going to sacrifice my athleticism. I just didn't feel like that was going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I got through surgery and I got home and I started you know, walking and doing some short hikes within about 10 days of getting home. And back then I didn't want to talk about my donation. I didn't want to share it publicly, really. I didn't want to do any advocacy work because I felt self-conscious about it. And I don't, I've never really loved public speaking. I haven't liked being the center of attention. So I just wanted to do this one really kind thing and then just have my life go totally back to normal. Mm -hmm. But as I was starting to recover and do things, I kept thinking about, okay, there's there's other people in my position out there. There's other people that will be in my position. They'll be wanting to donate, but a little unsure because of the athletic piece, because no one can give you an answer. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to get over myself and my hesitation about this and just start posting a couple of things to my personal Instagram, not shouting from the rooftops, but just sharing some things so people could find it if they were looking. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take long to start getting messages from people around the world. Um, It started weekly. And then it got to be almost every day people saying the same stuff. I'm so glad you're talking about this. No one is talking about this. I'm so glad I found you. And a lot of those people from way back then in 2017, I'm still talking with regularly. And so after a few months of that, and I was then training for a half marathon, my comeback race, I got to thinking like, well, maybe there's something bigger here. Maybe the reason people aren't saying out loud and sharing all these details about what they did is because it feels a little weird it can you know we don't want it to be perceived as self-aggrandizing or look at me because it's not that so i thought well what if i create a platform and then people can share their stories on this platform and then it's not really about them it's about the platform what it stands for and i had been using the hashtag kidney donor athlete since about i don't know two weeks after my donation. And that just stuck with me. I thought, well, it's not catchy, but it says what it is. And I wanted people to be able to find it. And so it was August of the following year. I had been using the hashtag and connecting with people. And I was visiting my now fiance in Bend, Oregon. And I asked him, like, is this idea dumb or is there something here? And he goes, you just got to go with it. It's like, who cares? Like, don't focus on the outcome. Just start it and see yeah. who finds and see what happens. So that day right there at that coffee shop here in Bend, Oregon, I logged into the state of Colorado, I filed my articles, I became a real nonprofit registered that day. And I thought about my goals for it on the way home that day on the plane. I thought, okay, if I can find 50 other people that can benefit from this information or share their stories as an athlete profile for others to see, that would be a dream come true. And so that was just over three years ago. And now we have featured um, more than 100 athletes from around the world. We have, I mean, thousands of people like website traffic every single month to the actual website. Um, And a lot of people talk about the Facebook group. And I think think that it's just a Facebook group, that it's not something bigger. But that's where a lot of our community activity is. And we have more than 600 people in there. Um, All donors are people in the process of donating. And it's a really engaging community. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how much it's grown and like the merchandise is another piece. Like I yeah. never thought I'd be like a t-shirt vendor or, or anything, yeah. but people love being a part of this so yes. much that they, they wear the shirts they do this. They sing it from the rooftops, like your interview the other day and she had the shirt on And I don't know. Yes. That's how I found it. you. It's amazing.
0: So I, so I have a question, you know, like you mentioned that there was such a gap out there in trying to find a resource like this, like where are the athletes with one kidney? Like the medical establishment couldn't even like come up with an answer, which showed you there was like, Hey, this is something. There is a need here. And in 2021, nobody's filled this gap. It's quite amazing. Um, or just thought to put these things together, you know, because when we look at our healthcare system, it's more disease care than it is healthcare. So they're not really thinking on that, other side as much as I, we all would like to think. Yes. But I think that that's amazing that you recognize the need and that there's all these people out there that have just one kidney and are doing all these athletic events. And it's not just running, you know, you highlight other, other athletes on there, but, um, yeah, I think that's, that's really
1: awesome. Yeah. It was just, it was incredible to me that, no one had thought to put that group together. Yeah. I mean, partly for the medical piece, because you think they'd want to do some testing on us one kidney athletes to show medically how is it different with endurance and electrolytes and you know, potassium yeah. and whatever. But then also for the fact that we're the healthiest, I mean, athletes in general, I think are probably the healthiest people in the world. So if, the, yeah. if there's anyone to target, for lack of a better word, about and saying, hey, you can do this. You can still go back to doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's athletes. Mm -hmm. Like if that was done in a really fantastic way, we probably wouldn't have a waiting list of 110,000 people just in our country waiting for a kidney. Because really, there's a kidney surplus because almost everybody has two.
0: Yes. And, And,
1: you know, it's, it's unnecessary. Yes. And and you're
0: showing other individuals who have one kidney, they can still do these types of moderate to vigorous activities, which is quite amazing, you know. And it's not just uh, kidney donors. there's people that will go throughout their life that don't realize that one of their kidneys has shut down. And yes. they're still doing it. they're participating, they're active and doing vigorous activities. it's 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 quite amazing what and remarkable what the body uh, can do and recover from and mm-hmm. and you know be successful at.
1: Yeah, very true. And there are some people that are actually born with just one and they don't find out until way later in life when they're doing, you know, CT scan or whatever it is. And the doctor says, oh, did you know you only had one? I mean, I know three mm-hmm. different people that that's happened to. Mm-hmm. So that yep. happens too. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Or you can have a, a birth defect that gets worse over time that creates a blockage in that kidney. I know that somebody who's had that happen to them. Oh, wow. And so they're just living with one. So yeah, there's, there's lots of issues around, kidneys. And, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're discussing and bringing, uh, more awareness around kidney health and kidney issues. And, uh, your organization is is an awesome platform. So I was looking, uh, can you tell us
1: a little bit about the mission and values of kidney donor athletes? Yes. Um, one of our biggest missions is the education piece of this. We want the general population to know what it really means to be a living donor and that you can be a healthy thriving person and an athlete with one kidney. So education is a huge piece of what we're focused on. Um, Also the community piece, like, because I I never imagined people finding kidney donor athletes, reading the stories or finding a Facebook group and caring so much about the other members in there and really building community, the way they show up for each other, answer questions. They go on trips together, they do races together. They make note of each other's um, kidney donation anniversary dates and we'll send each other, you know, care packages or cards or or things like that. So fostering a community and being focused on that is huge because it's this added benefit that I never imagined post-donation that most people don't think of. of oh, wow, well, I'm going to have all these one-kidney friends that are all amazing and kind and helpful and courageous. And mm-hmm. so to be consciously investing in that aspect of that as well. And then also health. I mean, that's another one of our values is health, is that we want people to stay healthy and keep investing in their own health, whether it be mental health post-donation, because it is pretty common to hit a little stint of depression post-donation. Um, so that's something we like to to speak about and show up and for. Why is that? What are some of the theories why people hit lows after? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of like if you're training for a really big race and then you do the race and then you get mm. done and you're like, well, now,
0: symptomatic.
1: Mm. So similar, yeah, it's a similar kind of thing. And then also, I mean, typically people are off work for at least a month, and you're doing a lot of sitting or just walking, so it's a really mm. abrupt lifestyle change. So especially this mm-hmm. athlete community, if you're going out and you're used to running 20 miles on okay. Saturdays with your friends and now you're you're walking a mile or two, yeah. you know, there's something with that chemistry of the brain if you're not getting that yeah. natural outlet. There's also it's pretty common to have like I kind of had a mini identity crisis, Like here, I'm not working out, I'm not working my day job. How am I adding that? Like, that's how I identified myself back then was with those Mm -hmm. two things really strongly. And I just felt kind of lost for a little while. Like, who Mm -hmm. am I without these things that I do? Yeah. So like a
0: serotonin, um, drop because you lose the runner's high that you were experiencing, Mm -hmm. but these are all known things now that you can share with others to like, look out for, you know, after you have your surgery, like just be prepared you might go through this lull, but you'll come out on the other end.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And something that we've started to do, one of our initiatives in KDA there, I call them welcome to the family care packages. So we have a mentoring program. So I keep a a database of different living donors from around the world, um, along with their donation date, their transplant hospital, their athletic specialties, and then anything special, like if they had a complication or if they conceived post-donation, things like that. So we get mentor requests pretty regularly of say, I want to Hockey player, ideally in Philadelphia, maybe donated after the age of 50. I can match them with that. So I, I log their information, I introduce them to their mentor, and then I follow up to see if they go all the way through the donation process. And then I send them a care package to get right after donation. And it's a KDA, like a shirt and a hat, like a handwritten card and some other little things in there. And I have some other people that are helping me now handwriting cards to go in to talk about their own recovery and things that help them get through those first few weeks of recovery so they can hear from other people that have been there. As I'm hearing this, it's almost like the hospital has
0: dropped the ball. They should be offering as part of their post-op this type of you know, service. And I, it sounds like they don't, and you they have to go to an organization like
1: yours to actually get, you know, this kind of uh, help. Yeah. I mean, they, they do a good job on the medical follow-up piece. Mm-hmm. And I think they ask a lot of the right questions, but it's also a really different dynamic. Like it's a personalization,
0: yes. you know, you're just another patient, another number out the door yeah. check. We, here's your organ and on your yeah. way. But That's I love that ridiculous. you, uh, You take the personal element of this because it is super personal Mm -hmm. and there's so many emotions behind this. And to, Uh you know, talk to somebody directly that's gone through it and have that support
1: is, you know, it's so valuable. Yeah, it really is. And that's That's the most meaningful aspect of all of this to me. And the whole reason for this whole thing of KDA, it really comes down to the fact that I felt so lonely in my donation process. I had a few core people that were really supportive and great, and they understood why I wanted to do it. But most people in my life, either really didn't understand. There was a lot of people close to me that even got angry with me for wanting to do this, that I felt really alienated. And I was shocked. Like, well, this is the nicest thing I could do. I feel certain about it. I'm not asking you to do anything, but I mean, people will get angry with me. And so going through that was so, it was really sad. It was sad and it was lonely. And at the root of everything KDA is built on, I want to do anything I can so potential donors and recent donors don't feel alone. And so like, Mm -hmm. that's the spirit behind the mentoring program, the welcome packages. I mean, the hospital and the things that they do, like the very clinical, they kind of have to be, but Mm -hmm. I want like the warm, friendly, like, like a virtual hug to these people, like welcoming them in and that they're not alone. We get it. We're not going to look at them like they have three heads. You know, mm-hmm. we get why you did what you did, like you're home with us. You belong. Yes. Here. Mm-hmm. So if,
0: when somebody logs on and wants to join your organization um, as a kidney donor, can you tell us a little bit about that process? What are they going to be providing you? Because you said you had like a database where you match people. So they're giving you some personal information and what are the costs
1: associated with it as well? Yeah, well, there's no cost for anything. And there actually isn't a formalized membership for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we had talked about a membership structure, but I want it to be available to everyone. I don't want there to be certain perks to some folks who donate $100 a month or, you know, like that's not why we're doing it. Um, so there's really no true membership to be had. Okay. It's If people are on social media, they really often go to that private Facebook group and they, they join that group and interact with all of us. Um, There's a fairly active community on Instagram and they just use the hashtag, the hashtag kidney donor athlete. So they (laughs) use that. Um, And then to be a mentor, if they want to be a resource to other living donors, there's a tab. It's called mentoring right on the website. And it goes, you can click in there to a Google document. Mm -hmm. And so it asks your name, your email address, your transplant hospital, the city and state that you live in now, um, any athletic specialties that you have and then anything interesting about your donation store, your post donation. Like there's now a subset of a few donors that have actually gotten COVID post donation. And so we have all these interesting little specific buckets. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't sell the list. Honestly, no one else can even access it, but me at this point. So it's very private.
0: And I just, I
1: use that to really search for keywords based Mm -hmm. on people's requests for that want to speak to a certain kind of person. How many people do you have currently? Oh gosh. Um, just over three hundred, I would say. I'm in the process of re- revamping all that to make it easier for me, more manageable, and more scale scalable. Okay. But I think we're just over three hundred mentors, and it's international. Was that correct? Yeah, we've got mentors in oh gosh, like multiple in England, Australia, New Zealand, Italy, Spain, Turkey. Just got someone from Lebanon yesterday. Wow, um, it's amazing. It's truly amazing, and they having this certain thing in common, it really, geography doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's all the same spirit in which we want to do it. It's a lot of the same questions. And, Mm -hmm. and another neat component that has happened about that is if someone, I had a friend pre-COVID who was traveling to New Zealand and I thought, oh, you know, I'm connected with a few donors in New Zealand. I'll check with them to see if they're okay with me giving you their information. You can meet up down there. She was traveling solo for, I think, almost a month and she met up with six kidney donors in New Zealand.
0: And did, wow.
1: them, did bike rides, got ice cream, you know, so it's this cool, I didn't expect that either, this travel community component, mm-hmm. but it's happening. That's amazing.
0: I, so I, I noticed on your website, you have, um, an area where you actually show the donors and their pictures and, mm-hmm. you know, they're an athlete and what their sport or activities that they enjoy. And it's, it yeah. runs the gamut. I noticed like all That's walks cool. of life, all different levels, mm-hmm.
1: um, can you tell us a little bit about how you highlight and spotlight the athletes? Yeah, I am um, really anyone. Well, I guess it starts with how I consider the word athlete to be applied. So, so people can get hung up, like, oh, but I haven't done an Iron Man or haven't done that. Yeah. To us at Kidney Donor Athletes, an athlete is truly someone who moves their body on purpose for the sake of health. Mm-hmm. It could mean that you walk your neighborhood loop four times a week or that you do hundred milers. I mean, it can be anything in between. And I really want to show people all the way from, you know, recreational walkers all the way through these amazing Ironman ultramarathon athletes that we have. Cause everybody, anyone who comes to the site, I want them to find someone that they can identify with. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we show different kinds of lifestyles backgrounds athletic disciplines and it's really fun to get some unique stuff like we've had a roller derby person be featured we had a college tennis athlete featured she donated in college which is amazing um I'm really looking for an equestrian so if anyone listening to this if you have if you're a kidney donor and you're a horseback rider I would love to feature you (laughs) Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that uh, you have the
0: Mount Kilimanjaro uh, Mm -hmm. summit coming up. Are you participating in that? I am. Mm Okay. Can you tell us a little, let me back it up. Can you tell the audience what it is and how this come about?
1: Yes. It's a, it's a pretty amazing story of how it came together. So it was when COVID first really happened, it was going into the winter of 2020. And there was a, a conversation going on in the private KDA Facebook group. And someone said, Hey, let's do a Yahtzee tournament to kill some time, you know, cause nobody was going out and doing anything. So a handful of people got involved in that. And I did this Yahtzee tournament um, really turned out that there was, I think, five people from the Kidney Donor Athletes Board of Directors that participated in that, and then another, you know, few like close community members in there. And mm-hmm. one of the women in that group said that it was a bucket list trip for her and her husband to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro for their anniversary. And then the group got talked Oh, that'd be amazing! Oh, we could have it be a kidney donor thing too, and we could have it be this advocacy trip too, and. Through that, they worked out the details themselves and then came to me as the then president of KDA saying that they wanted to do that, have proceeds benefit kidney donor athletes and fundraise for it, get a ton of exposure for advocacy. So fast forward to now, we took applications, a ton of people applied. So there's 24 of us flying to Africa. Um, We'll start our climb on March 4th, I believe, of 2022 when we're summiting on World Kidney Day. So on March 10th, and I don't think there's ever been an advocacy effort like this done ever where, so it's 24 people, 21 of us, I believe are kidney donors. And so to go there and climb up the tallest freestanding mountain in the world in an effort to use our own bodies to show what's possible as a living donor. I mean, I can't think of anything cooler. I can't believe it's happening. We have the best group of people going Um, there's some really amazing opportunities that are coming up that I can't say yet. I wish I could, but some really amazing exposure that it sounds like is going to happen from it. It's, it's a dream. I can't believe it's (laughs) So this,
0: uh, this summit's the first time. It may not be the only time. It sounds like you might, if it all goes
1: well, maybe it can be an annual thing. Well, we're talking about every other year having a kidney donor athlete expedition. And okay. so different places around okay. the world. There's I lots of mountains. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've always wanted to go to Patagonia. So I personally planted that seed a while ago. So we'll probably do Patagonia 2024. Okay. Um, and, and hopefully open it up to even bigger groups. Like 24, we're keeping it relatively small in terms of how many people apply just to figure out how to do this, how to organize these people, how to structure the fundraising, kind of working all the kinks out with this group. So then it's a lot easier planning going forward.
0: Okay. Very cool. So you don't take any membership fees or anything like that. I do know you have like a donation tab on your website and they support things like the mentorship program that you were mentioning earlier. Mm
1: -hmm. If someone
0: donates to your organization, where else
1: does that money go? Um, Well, we're putting together a scholarship fund that I'm really excited about. So that will be for recent donors for their first milestone event back with One Kidney. And so we're working on that scholarship program, all the details right now. So that's really exciting. So we would get applications for those as a group, decide who we would then grant the scholarship to, and then send them awesome KDA gear, um, potentially do some coverage of them going and doing this race we would fly them there pay their race registration and um, do a whole real feature on these athletes which is incredible. Um, there's a lot of other programs we're working on rolling out that are still in the the detail phase but the the mentor program there's a lot to go with that to formalize it to standardize it to make sure legally we're, we're covered for everything while still keeping that like the warm interactions that we have. I don't want to make it like a clinical hospital because that's what we're trying to do. So things like that. And just our general infrastructure too, just, you know, we just added another two seats to the board. So getting the right tools in place for fundraising, for year-end letters, things like that. We're also going to be doing more with our YouTube channel. So that takes some money to get up and running, but I'm excited. Yeah, about I
0: started that. this one. On zero (laughs) dollars. Oh my gosh. That's
1: so amazing. Just like you
0: started this organization. I mean, you're living proof here that, you know, if somebody has an idea or they're passionate about something, you know, and they see the gap in the society, you can just start, you know, it's just, it's just making the decision to start. It may not be perfect. It may not be
1: right, but just make that decision to do it. Yeah, that's so true. And I think back about, I can remember the exact conversation that was had with a friend of mine in Denver where she started an organization called Rock One Kidney. She's fantastic. Her name is Jen Reeder. I love her. She was talking about Rock One Kidney and these ideas about kidney donor athletes have been floating around in my head, but I didn't really know what to do with it yet. And she said, oh, well, you could just start a nonprofit. like, what? You can just start one of those? She goes, yeah, just Google it. Look at my website see what I did. And yeah. so that night I went and I started Googling and I thought this isn't rocket science. Other people do this. I can yep get it as far as I can, and then pick and choose people to be a part of the board with me that have the knowledge that I don't have. And Mm -hmm. so I never aspire to start a nonprofit. I never aspire to be a president of an organization like that. Mm -hmm. None of that, but it's just, it's so empowering. And to be able to share this too, with other people listening and watching this is just figure out what the next step is, you know, ask the right questions, It doesn't have to be this big, beautiful, perfect thing. I mean, it just, it grows over time. If you keep working on it, I never would have guessed it would get to this point.
0: And you you mentioned that you had a board of directors and shout out to Bobby. Thank you for connecting us. (laughs) Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your board of directors and their background and maybe give a shout out to them and all their support?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was a dream come true, getting a board together. So I didn't know how to do it. I'd never even served on a board, honestly, before I started interviewing people for that. So the only non-negotiable was that they had to also be a living donor because there are a lot of other organizations related to kidney donation that have zero donors on their board which Mm. that's their choice that's not how I wanted this to be run and so I knew I wanted someone with really strong um, financial background to be able to help us with those kinds of things and compliance related things with finance so Steve Wilson um, he's a a donor from oh gosh February 2020 he donated to a stranger and so he's been a huge help for us so so grateful for him and also his impact on fundraising um Bobby McLaughlin who you mentioned he he donated after I did also um actually myself and Jen Reeder who I mentioned and some other kidney donor friends we called him the night before his donation because we'd been interacting with him and he's, and he's just, the president the current yeah, president. so he's the president now for me which is wonderful um, so he has I think he has a free time to do it because I also have a day job so it's mm-hmm. it got really hard for me to do all of this stuff with yeah. the presidency and do a good job at my day job which I care about yeah
0: and I um, saw on Facebook he ran the marine marathon I believe
1: yeah the marine Corps Halloween. marathon on Halloween so really recently mm-hmm. yeah um, and then I mean we have okay so that was just two I'm the third we have nine seats now on the board all filled and it's People with wonderful backgrounds, like Shauna Sampson has a really, really extensive nonprofit background, which is great. Sarah Hawkins has really, really great like management tools in terms of spreadsheets to build out teams for us, our interboard communication. She does our monthly financial statements for us and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie Wheeler, she helps me with all of the publishing of things to so the website, the formatting of the stories, all the social media posts, because that was getting to be a lot of work. Um, Karen Berenson, she lives in Milwaukee. She's our secretary. So she does all of our notes, our follow-up, our minutes, things like that. Like a lot of the admin kind of stuff, scheduling sort of things, which is really helpful. And then we just added two more seats, someone to help be our communications chair, our communications director, because especially with this Kilimanjaro trip, I don't know how to write a press release. I don't know the best way to approach like the good morning Americas and the USA Todays and the things like that. So she's going to be helping with that. And then we have Natalie who is going to be helping us with fundraising and she's been incredible for the Kilimanjaro fundraising already. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's superstar group, really. I just yeah. am amazed at the caliber of people that are so willing to give of their time and their skills and their efforts yeah. and And make this happen because I know I only have like this much of the skills to make KDA a success and I need all these other ones because no one person knows or can do everything. And so it's been a really great process to bring the board together and work together. We meet on Friday, we meet once a month and it's a great group.
0: Oh, fantastic. And they're all over the United States. Y'all just meet, I guess, like on Zoom and stuff.
1: Yeah, they're, we're in four different time zones. So it's always a morning <laughs> off like, okay, 10 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Pacific. And so it's, you know, we're in four time zones. So that was a little hard in the beginning, but it people make it work. And then we have yeah. other channels of talking like through emails or we have a group. Facebook messenger chat for like really in the moment things we need to talk through and we make it work. I'm really grateful for technology.
0: Yes. Thanks. (laughs) Thank God for technology. And that's so awesome. And, you know, you had a, an idea and it's a, and a good idea. And I think once you set it in motion and you can attract other people to it, that see the good idea, they can get behind it um and get you the support to get to where you need to be and I and I will be following your organization uh moving forward and seeing where it goes because I know uh it's it's fairly new it's what only a couple years old uh just over three years old three years old I mean you're yes. still kind of in its toddler stage and you know <laughs> where it can go from here is going to be pretty amazing I already feel it I feel feel the feel the energy
1: of it <sighs> Thank you. Yeah. It's just, it's a dream come true. And I didn't even dream this big, the stuff that's happening. Like that wasn't even on my like stretch goal list. Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah, the yeah. people that are attracted to this organization and pitch in and want to help. I mean, that's how it's gotten to here and mm-hmm. people telling each other. And, and I don't advertise. I've never spent a dollar on a marketing thing this whole time. And yeah. people just tell each other and even some transplant hospitals tell their patients. And mm-hmm. it's amazing when they do that.
0: Yes. So mm-hmm. I have a question. Um, as far as like partnerships with like the National Kidney Association, or do you have anything like that going on or looking at and partnering with other um, organizations and associations?
1: Yes, uh, we actually, so that's been a great thing about Bobby taking over as president because he has more time for that visionary kind of thing and for these kinds of partnerships. So he's got a huge one in the works that I think within the next couple of weeks, we can probably make public, but it's with one of the largest kidney donation advocacy organizations in the country. And they, I'm just floored, like they love what we're doing. They wanna help. They've donated to our Kilimanjaro fundraising and we're going to have some really awesome partnered athletic events. So they're going to really help with a lot of the infrastructure of that and the funding behind that. And we get to really dream up these awesome ideas, get our community involved. So that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some other more informal, like we have great relationships with other organizations out there. Um, like the National Kidney Donation Organization. They just changed their name. That's someone I'm a member on on their calls every month and a few other kidney donor athlete people are also involved in that organization. Um, There's also um, different one kidney club groups. So we're affiliated with a lot of those. And so that's like local chapters, like in Denver, there's a one kidney club chapter and there's There's got to be more than 60 donors affiliated with that. So they'll meet together in person. Pre-COVID, it was once a month. You meet downtown, you talk with other donors. So that's another um, organization that is now across the United States and in some other countries as well. So we have good relationships with, I mean, really all of the other (laughs) kidney <laughs> advocacy related organizations, but nothing is formalized yet, but one will be soon, which is great. Okay.
0: Cause yeah. I mean, yours is such a niche with athletes. I mean, that yeah. is like at the forefront yeah. whether you weren't an athlete, but now you're an athlete. This is such mm-hmm. a niche that I think can go with lots of different organizations, not just kidney affiliated organizations. You could also partner with health organizations and maybe some of those that are on the fitness or
1: exercise side hmm Yeah. Um, we have actually, now that you mentioned that, I was just thinking kidney related organizations, but orange mud, they are a hydration pack company and like in different merchandise and things like that for athletes. I've been an ambassador for them since before my donation. And so they actually host our merchandise website. They've designed a bunch of stuff for us. So they do all the hosting of that, the payment processing of that, the shipping of that. And they're fantastically supportive of what we're doing. And then Tailwind Nutrition, they're actually, um, a nutrition company. It's like the powder you put in water. And that's mm-hmm. the only stuff I've used for probably the last, I don't know, seven years, maybe for my distance running. And so mm-hmm. they will give us some discount codes. Sometimes they actually sent me a bunch of free product to use and training for Kilimanjaro and some extra merchandise to use mm-hmm. because they just, they believe in what we're doing so much that mm-hmm. you know, we have a more informal partnership, but it's a really solid, long standing partnership. So I anticipate seeing more things like that, whether it's, you know, athletic organizations, or like you said, like different health organizations. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity there.
0: Yes. Got to get the word out about your organization. I know. I have more kidney donors in this world. Um, so can you, we're kind of getting to the end here. Do you have anything else pertinent to the topic of your organization or maybe somebody that's thinking about kidney donation that you might want to share?
1: Um, Gosh, just we're just a really warm, inviting family. So if you're someone who's curious about it or nervous about it, um, go to the website. There's a contact me piece on there. There's a mentoring tab on there. If you're just want, to, if you not even sure, but you just want to talk with the living donor, send a request through there. I check those every single day. Um, if you're on Facebook, go find our private group, which is called Kidney Donor Athletes Private Facebook Group, and ask to join that to say that you're interested in donation and have questions about that. It's... <laughs> It's the kindest, friendliest group of people. And honestly, through everything that has transpired the last few years, I've been so grateful for these people because they're just they're open, they're non-judgmental, they want to help, they want to answer your questions. Even if you're a I don't I don't even know what the most specific athletic discipline would be, like mm-hmm. jujitsu. I don't even know what, but like we'll have someone for you to talk to. It's a really broad range of people. So like you're never alone there's always someone who can talk with you about what you're asking, no matter Mm -hmm. how specific your question is. So just Mm -hmm. ask, you never put us out. Everybody wants to help.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Fantastic.
0: I, you know, I wish you, you know, many blessings and good luck with your organization. And, uh, it really hearing about your organization helps me restore faith in humanity. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. And so when I hear people, like with your story and doing these types of things that are making a difference, that are truly saving lives. um, Like I said, it just, you know, I feel better about society and humanity in general.
1: So thank you for all that you're, that you're doing. I appreciate. Thank you. It definitely feels like the most meaningful work I could ever, ever even consider doing. It's wonderful. Most definitely. (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Lisa. Yes. If you guys like this video,
0: please give it a thumbs up and don't forget to share and subscribe and hit the bell to be alerted to when the next video drops. Thanks for watching.